As John says, we're in this great series about kingdom life, kingdom living. Uh, So we're in week three or four. Um, If you've missed them, I really encourage you to catch up because uh, there's been something significant about uh, this series, I think. You know, much as we say all the the teaching we do is important, I think there's something significant about us as a vineyard church talking about the kingdom. And um, if you're not sure how to do it, you can go onto our YouTube channel using the hashtag Coastline Vineyard, or one word. Uh, Find the Sunday stream and you'll find uh, the previous two weeks, the recordings of the previous two weeks up there. First week, Lance did the Gospel of the Kingdom, and John last week did the Now and the Not Yet. And then next week, Sarah's going to finish us off talking about Heaven Invades Earth. And I think it's, as I said, it's a significant thing that we as a vineyard church talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. One and the same thing. Uh, I use those words, those phrases interactively a little bit this morning. And if you were here last week, you'll have heard uh, John give a lovely clip from Ellie Mumford. Ellie and John Mumford were pioneers of the vineyard movement in the UK and now go on to lead the organization globally. And Ellie said this, she said, the vineyard is first and foremost a kingdom of God movement. It is the central theological motif, that's what she said, that directs all our life and practice. I said to John, I have to look up what the word motif meant. It means a dominant or recurring theme. So it's the central dominant and recurring theme, or should be. Let me speak these powerful words over you, because I think they're great. It is the central dominant and recurring theme of everything that we do. And at Coastline, that's what we want to be, isn't it? A church that, that moves in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom becomes the central, dominant, and recurring theme in everything that we do. And, and we, we say that because we believe that Jesus didn't give us uh, a set of Bible study material when he came to earth, things to analyze and look at and talk about and read together in small groups. But instead, he was modeling a practice of the kingdom of God that he expects us to follow. Jesus was modeling a way in which we as disciples and followers of Jesus uh, are being entrusted and called to follow for his glory. And his life was, um, had the reputation of or was known for the demonstration and the proclamation of the kingdom of God. You've heard that phrase? The demonstration and proclamation of the kingdom of God. We've called it the show and tell, rather, naughtily. But it is that, right? Is that we don't believe in just preaching the word, don't just talk about the word, but we believe in God's kingdom come to demonstrate that as well. So what is the kingdom of God then? What is the kingdom of God? Well, sorry to steal an idea from another church movement, but here goes. I, I heard um, a guy called Roger, Roger Forster, uh, who founded the Ichthus movement, say something about the kingdom that stuck with me year from, this is years ago, I think, from Spring Harvest days. And he says, the kingdom of God is where the king kings it. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Where it's, the kingdom of God is where the king kings it. We've talked about it in the terms, terms of the rule and reign of God. And we're not talking about a physical territory here when we're talking about the kingdom. Instead, we're saying wherever the rule and reign of God is allowed, that becomes the kingdom of God. 
And Jesus, when he came, came as a a raider, invader of the kingdom of darkness. He brought the kingdom of goodness, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of darkness. He came as an invader, a raider of the kingdom of darkness. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be here at Vineyard in this place and in this time. As John, the New Testament writer, put it, for this reason, Christ was revealed to destroy the works of the evil one. Say amen if you agree with that. I want to see if you agree. Let's try again. This is why the Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. Great. Good. I'm glad we got a few charismatics in this morning. That's great. So Jesus not only spoke out the words of the kingdom, but he invaded with the words and works of the kingdom into the devil's stronghold, into the devil's territory. And that's what we want to be as a vineyard church, as an active and live vineyard church, church here, taking the works and words of Jesus into the kingdom of darkness and stretching out the kingdom from this place beyond and beyond. Amen. So this morning, as part of our series, we want to give some airtime to an aspect of the kingdom come that we don't always talk about, because it's a, it's a model of Jesus that he showed us and the things that he did, uh, but we don't always talk about it from the platform, and something we think we should, should try and cover. And this is around the fact that, yes, Jesus did big things with big crowds. He did big miracles in front of hundreds, possibly thousands of people. Think about the, it was thousands, Phil, thinking about uh, uh, Jesus with the five loaves and two fish, right? So he did big, dramatic things and taught big, big crowds. But also you'll notice, if you read through your scriptures, that Jesus came to the one and two, that Jesus came in the quiet place. Jesus came in the secret place. Jesus came to just one individual and brought the kingdom to one individual. Jesus came sometimes behind closed doors and did amazing things, and very, very few people knew anything about it. That's the secret life of the kingdom. And I believe it's an important aspect of the kingdom because there'll be a day when all the books are open And suddenly we'll realize what God has done that we knew nothing about. Because I think some of the greatest stories of the kingdom will never be told on this earth. We'll never know what God has done until we get to glory. Some of the greatest miracles we may never get to hear about or tell stories about. And some of the greatest transformations, acts of kingdom of God one day will only be revealed when we're sat down in glory and watching those, uh, I can say those videotapes, but show show them age, Uh, watching that live stream back of, uh, of what the Lord's been doing. Isn't that right? Do you agree with that? Because God comes, yes, in the big and the public and the dramatic, but God also comes in the secret place. God comes in private. God comes with one or two individuals. And I want to just uh, anchor this on a bit of scripture this morning. So we're going to look at um, Matthew chapter 13, if you've got a Bible. And um, as I always say, have a look in the row in front of you. If there's a Bible there, it's yours now all of a sudden if you don't have one. Uh, It's a spare one probably. Uh, Make sure you don't nick your neighbors next door. Um, But uh, yeah, if you generally don't have a Bible um, and there's one in front of you, then feel free to take that with our blessing. And in Matthew 13 that we're about to read... 
Matthew clusters together uh, seven very quick parables. We're going to look at four of them this morning, but they are quite quick. Uh, that all have the theme of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew calls it. It's the kingdom of God. Don't get excited about the different phrase. It's the same thing. And in six of the seven parables, Matthew quotes Jesus as saying, the kingdom of heaven is like dot, dot, dot. And it goes on to tell the story. And we know what parables are, don't we? We know that they are Jesus' way of teaching with an illustration. They are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, we sometimes call them, don't we? And uh, we're just going to look at two to start with, from Matthew 13, verse 31. And then we're going to talk about uh, what that teaches us about the secret life of the kingdom. So Matthew 13, verse 31 says this. He, that's Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches." And he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds, it says. You might see something more metric in yours. 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. uh, We'll just pause the reading there. So what does that teach us about the secret life of the kingdom? Well, I'll say this. Those who know the secret life of the kingdom know that God is in the small things. They don't belittle the little, was the phrase I wrote down. God is in the small things. The point that Jesus is making here is about the contrast between the tiny and the massive potential. The smallest of seed, the mustard seed, that's possibly one of the tiniest seeds that Jesus perhaps uh, would have illustrated with or people would have known. And yet he makes the point that the the size of it is out of proportion to its potential. In the sense of its tininess, it suddenly grows into a massive tree in which the the birds come and perch and uh, and, um, and make their nests. And it's the same story with this yeast, this rather odd baking example. I don't know what this woman was doing. She had 30 kilograms, it says, or 60 pounds of flour. Maybe she was building a house of bread or something, I don't know. But yeah, but Jesus makes the point that she, that she works in a small amount of yeast, works it through, works it through, works it through, until it affects the whole massive batch of flour, a massive batch of dough. And the kingdom potential is sometimes in the smallest of things, the smallest of starts, the smallest of objects. That single prayer, that single word, that single action that you take plants a seed, starts to work the yeast through the flower, starts to do amazing things. Those who know the secrets of the kingdom know God is in the small things, know not to belittle the little And those who know the secret life of the kingdom know it's important to plant seeds. Notice something else from the story there. There was deliberate action. There was a gardener who placed a seed in the right place in the garden, presumably cared for it and looked after it. This lady baker worked something with with deliberate 
uh, plan and deliberate purpose through the dough with the skill that she had to work it through. And the kingdom needs kingdom carriers. The kingdom needs you to do something deliberate for the kingdom, to work something through for the kingdom, to do an action for the kingdom. And the simplest thing you can say is that lovely phrase that John reminded us of last week from uh, the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Just imagine saying that over the situation that's tugging on your heart as I'm speaking this morning. Just say to the Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Say it every day, say it every hour if you can remember it, but say your kingdom come, your will be done. Deliberate action. And sometimes we don't see God, we don't see God breakthrough because we don't ask. What did, what did Jesus say in Matthew? He said, ask, knock, seek. And you'll find it. But we don't do it. We just don't do it. I don't do it as much as I should. I'll be honest with you, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Speak the truth into a situation. Speak the truth with deliberate action. Say, your kingdom come. Your will be done in this situation. Those who know the secret life of the kingdom know it's important to plant seeds. To plant seeds. And those who know the secret life of the kingdom know it's important to be faithful in the silence, to stay faithful in the silence. I don't know if you as a kid uh, ever did that lovely science experiment, biological experiment, where you had a little bit of blotting paper soaked with water and you dropped a mustard seed or a crest seed. Remember that when you were kids? Maybe you don't meet kids at home, right? And um, uh, you put it into that thing and put it by the window, didn't you? And... Uh, and you said grow, and you walked away. And anyway, the next day you go back and have a look, and nothing's happened, right? Nothing's happened. Just a seed on a bit of blotting paper, right? And you go back the next day, and guess what? Nothing's happened. Next day, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. Day after day, nothing happens. But why is it you take your kids back to have a look? Why is it that you keep on going back? Because one day... That glorious, glorious moment is going to appear, isn't it? A little shoot is going to come out. And you go, oh, my goodness, it's alive. It's not just a little dead seed, right? But you know the point I'm making here. You can read between the lines, right? You know the point I'm making here. Why is it that when we sing things like miracle worker, way maker, Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. We sing it. We could have sung it this morning. Uh, but we sing it so easily, don't we? But then we say, well, look, there's nothing happening, Lord. I've come back to the seed and nothing's happening. People who know the secret life of the kingdom stay faithful in the silence. When nothing's happening, stay faithful. Keep on believing. Keep on coming back. Keep on saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Keep on, keep on, keep on keeping on. And one day you'll know, one day you'll know, signs of life, signs of breakthrough, praise God, is going to happen. Those who know the secrets of God, keep going, keep going. We're kind of making the same point in one sense. Um, but they do keep going. They keep being persistent. All the points seem to blend into one in this one. Um, 
It feels like a bit of a world tour of Phil's favourite parables this morning, but here goes. Uh, so uh, I won't read this one to you because it's quite a long one, but let me just, just tell you about it. Uh, it's Luke 18. It's the parable of the persistent wi- widow. You heard, you've, I hope you've heard this one. And it's a simple story, again, an illustration that Jesus makes, of uh, a woman that's had a wrong done to her, don't know what it is, and she goes to this unjust judge and says to him, I need justice, I need things to be uh, sorted out. And he says, I don't fear man, I don't fear God, I don't see why I should give this uh, justice to this woman. And it keeps on happening, and eventually he says, he says, you know, I'm not a good man, but this dear lady is going to wear me out. Don't all uh, say I can relate to this, fellas. Uh, this woman's going to wear me out. <laughs> going to wear me out if I don't. <laughs> that was a very Lance-esque thing to say, I just realized. Uh, yeah. But it's going to wear me out with this coming, with keeping on coming. And keep... So I am, I'm minded to give her what she needs. And the reason I'm just showing you that parable, talking about that parable, is years ago, I went to a new wine seminar, and there was this guy that had moved into a church in Sheffield. Uh, and they were a new church plant, and they were just praying to see the kingdom, kingdom of God come. And they were praying for miracles to happen, for, for healings to happen, to, for God to demonstrate the kingdom as opposed to just uh, them just talking about it, you know, proclaiming. And a small small group of them got in a room and they were praying for God to come in power, to come and show, uh, demonstrate the kingdom in power amongst them. And this was the thing that that hooked with them and really hooked with me and it stayed with me ever since because they said that they were convicted about the last line of this parable. I've just saved it. Uh, I haven't mentioned it yet, but let me just say, say it to you. And... The story that, that Jesus talks about here, he says, look, you know, eventually this unjust judge gave in to this, this dear woman, this woman that uh, had tugged away at him and nagged away at him. And he says, how much more so will your good Father in heaven give you what you're looking for? And this was the line that, that's, that I think is so good. When Jesus says, however, when the Son of Man comes... Would he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I remember this guy saying, We were so convicted about that line that when the Son of Man comes again, would he find us asking? Would he find us being faithful? Let me put that out there for you this morning in your situation. When the Son of Man comes, will he find you faithfully asking, even if what you're expecting hasn't happened, will he just find you to be faithful? Just asking, just knocking, just seeking, just saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And those who know the vineyard story will uh, relate to maybe some of this. Um, John Wimber, who um, was one of the founders of the vineyard movement, arguably the founder of the vineyard movement, um, was convicted by the Holy Spirit when it came to reading through uh, the Gospel of Luke and when Jesus was talking about healings in Luke and doing healings. And he was saying, well, basically he felt convicted by God that they should be praying for that to happen in the church. And, and they started moving in this thing, 
And, and nothing happened. Going back to the little seed again. They came back. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But they kept going with it until one day they saw an amazing breakthrough. Far better for me to show you this story rather than talk about it. Play VT. If we got it. <laughs> well, our worst defeat that night, I go home, I go to bed, I wake up the next morning, the phone's ringing, I go to the phone, and here's a new family in the church, and the guy's on the phone, he says, listen, I got a new job, I, 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 I've got to go to work today, this is my, I've got a brand new job, it's just starting today, my wife's sick with a fever, can you come over and pray for her so she'll get well so she can take care of the kids, so I can go to my new job, I think, I, I put my hand up, you're really gotten me into it this time. <laughs> Look what this guy believes this stuff. He's going to lose his job. I'll be right there in my best professional tone. Hang up. I get in the car, and all the way over there, I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm saying, this, this, it's still not right. You know, This is not right. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's not right. It's a mess. So I get there, and I knock at the door, and a guy comes to the door, leads me in the house, and I mean, he, I thought she would be out in the living room in her house. He takes me right straight back into their bedroom. I mean, this woman was sick. No woman would let you see her looking like that. <laughs> I mean, this woman was sick. You know, sick. Sick, sick. I mean, she was sick. And I looked at her, and I thought, oh, she's sick. <laughs> Not good. Not good, you know. This is not good. This is not going to make me look good. This woman is sick, you know. She had a high fever. Her face was all flushed, you know. And I walked over, and I mumbled some terrible, I don't mean what, I don't know what I said. I, and I turned around, and I began explaining to the guy why people don't always get well when you pray for them. I did. I, I began explaining to him why they don't always get well when you pray for them. And... And he's looking at me, but he's a little bit taller than I am, and he's looking over my shoulder, and he's grinning. And I suddenly realize he's not looking at me, he's looking over my shoulder. And I turn around, and there's his wife, she's up, she's got her house coat on, she's already brushed her hair, and she's making the bed. And I said, what happened to you? <laughs> and, she, and she says, I'm well, you healed me. I said, oh no, I can't heal anybody. <laughs> And she said, well, you healed me. I'm feeling fine. You know, would you like to stay for some coffee or something, you know? I said, no, I think I'll just go. <laughs> and so there I went out the door. And I get out the front lawn, and I look up, and I go, all right! You know, we got one! Woo! I just thought it was so good to show that. You know, I just, I just love the, we've got one at <laughs> last. People who know the kingdom, the secret life of the kingdom, never give up. They keep on going. They keep on pressing in. They keep on persevering. I just love the fact that, I mean, the, the, you, watch it, you watch it on YouTube, that video. That he talks about, you know, there's some disastrous stories of praying for people and nothing happened and nothing happened. And it was, a, we could have shown much more, but the, it was the point of their worst defeat the night before that this phone call comes the next day and that miracle happens. Keep on pressing in. Keep on persevering. Keep on bringing the kingdom in. And just as we were talking, John and I were talking at the beginning of the, the service, you know, it, it's, 
we're so quick to confine what God is going to do, aren't we? We're so quick to say, well, I pray for this, God will do that. Sometimes when we pray for this, that thing over there happens. Right? Sometimes when we pray for the sick, someone will get released of something or some circumstance, so maybe their, you know, their circumstance will change in another way. And it's the most beautiful thing that when we engage in that prayer of your kingdom come, your will be done, that's exactly what he does. He does what he wants to do. It's all about him. Let me just finish with this. Another one, my tour of favorite kingdom parables, but here it goes. Uh, if we go in just the bottom part of Matthew 13, uh, says this. This is the uh, parables in verse 44 onwards, if you've got your Bible still open, it might be on the screen as well. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And this is my challenge. Have you worked out how precious this thing is? Has it has it dawned on you yet how precious the kingdom is? Because God is looking for people to discover it, for adventurers and explorers to go on a mission to find it. But I, it comes with a bit of a health warning here because when you do, it's worth everything you've got. It's worth absolutely everything you own. When a man found it, he hid it again. In his joy, he went out and sold all he had and bought that field. When he found a pearl of great value, he went away and sold everything and bought it. Have you worked out how much it's worth? It's worth everything. God wants us to be all in on this thing, right? God is calling us to be all in. To put everything on the line for the sake of the kingdom. Are you in this morning? Are you all in this morning?